Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Peter King's training camp tour continues with the Rams today in Los Angeles. He spent the weekend up in Northern California with 49ers quarterback Trey Lance. You can find the full interview on our NFL on NBC YouTube page. Here's part of the conversation. How do you take and how do you deal with sort of the pressure that comes with what is a very high-profile job even though you don't have the long resume that a lot of your peers have? I think uh, for me, I mean, I I put that pressure on myself. Uh, I don't worry about, you know, respectfully what you guys say, Uh, anyone in the media or anyone outside our building. I know I've said it, you know, a million times, but uh, I really mean it when I say the only only opinions that matter are the guys in the locker room and, you know, my coaching staff. Uh, Anyone outside of that, you know, has no no impact on me at all. Uh, So, you know, I put that pressure on myself uh, to not let the guys, you know, on my team down. I think I'm in a really good spot. I think I'm honestly pretty similar to where I was a year ago as far as just throwing the ball and getting my body in position. I feel like mentally I'm just everything's a lot more clear for me. I'm in a much better spot mentally. Um, so I think that probably uh, smooths a lot of things out as far as my footwork. So some things that might look like, you know, mechanics, I think some of the time is a lot of just to do with, you know, understanding the offense for me and being able to play fast. All right. So Trey Lance, now the guy. The 49ers three weeks ago today wisely making him the guy, and it has only been three weeks since they told the world, basically Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to be here. Trey Lance is the guy. What's the biggest challenge for Trey Lance from your perspective in making this adjustment? Didn't play much last year, didn't play much at all in 2020 at North Dakota State. What's the biggest adjustment for him? Well, uh, let me just say this first off. I I, I am – I really love the kid and like even how he answers things there. And I, I really believe him in the fact that he, he puts pressure on himself and he's not worried about the outside noise. Like, hey, he wasn't my favorite quarterback coming out in the draft. I mean, I had him like the fifth guy. I had to do an interview with him, right? And sometimes you know hey, the guy knows and he's kind of mad at me and it's, it's, he can't even be himself because I didn't give him the respect he deserved. He was one of those that 
I could tell he didn't care. He was like, eh, I'm, it's all right. I'm confident in myself. I'm going to show you, Chris Sims, that you're wrong, and you know, I'm going to make you eat crap. And I, I love that about him. And that's where I, I do root for him 100%. But I think all you got to do, and I, and I, and I would say, is it, it, to me it's just the consistency and accuracy. That is what's going to be the big thing that we need to see from him. And, and all you got to do is watch the Green Bay preseason game last week. You know, again, made some nice throws. I get that. But to me, the biggest telltale sign is listen to Tim Ryan, what he was saying throughout the game. I mean, he probably said it six times in the first two drives of the game. Hey, the guy's got talent. He's got a big arm. He's a great leader. He can run. But, you know, the one thing we question, and, of course, Tim Ryan's out there at practice every day watching them, is can he consistently put the ball on the money into a tight window? Like, hey, you saw a throw there. It was into the flat. You know, the ball, he can lose control of it at times to a degree. And we saw that last year, too. So that will be the big thing I look at. I know he can throw the bomb, and and I know he's going to make some big plays. But on third and seven, can he thread the needle, you know, in between two defenders and hit the receiver on the run and all those type of stuff to make difference in in a winning and losing a game? That's what that's what I want to see. And it's that middle of the field stuff, right? Didn't you always criticize Jimmy Garoppolo? Is it what? Which is it? It's not the middle of the field or the it outside is. the numbers. It's the, they, they don't go? throw it's the out. ball. Yeah, they throw the they ball in the, in the middle. middle of the field. That's way yes. And and to me, with the Trey Lance, see, this is where it might not be as consistently accurate. But I think with him, they can be more dangerous because you gotta you gotta defend more of the field, as we talk about all the time with great quarterbacks. Great quarterbacks make you defend everything, and you got a quarterback now who can throw the 20-yard out route and put it on a line drive and do something that way. And if I was Shanahan and Greasy and that group out there, I would err on having more of those plays. You know, Oh, okay, he was a little off target. The ball went out of bounds. You know, but those are, those are easy to see. They develop. Throwing over the middle of the field, as you can imagine, Mike, sometimes it's a play-action pass, and you come up and you go, whoa, there's three, six, seven guys in front of me with their hands up, and I can kind of see the linebackers behind them, and now i got to thread the needle in there, and I'm not sure if I'm really seeing everything. That could be hard on a young quarterback. So I, I hope that they kind of take that approach maybe a little bit more often with this guy as compared to Jimmy Garoppolo, who wasn't great throwing the ball down the field or outside the numbers. It it can be hard on a veteran quarterback in the Super Bowl when Chris Jones is freaking you out and you don't see guys that are open when you still have a chance to win the game. A hundred percent. Yes. Right. And, you know, there there was some moments there that, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, he, he I'm sure he'd want them back. And we could go back and watch that game. And we I, we could go watch five, six plays in the last few drives of the game where you just go, whoa, if this throw was made or if he made the right read here, the Niners are going to win the Super Bowl. It's going to be over. But the Chiefs made the plays. Chris Jones got hands up to knock the ball down because, yes, teams were expecting that ball over the middle quick because that's what Shanahan did with Jimmy Garoppolo, and I don't think it's going to be quite as predictable with this crew here now. And when you're talking about throwing outside the numbers, that's where that laser is going to serve him yes, the best right. because you cover a lot of ground. When you throw that 20-yard out, that is a long distance for the football to cover and it's got to get there quickly because that window is going to close you give the corner a chance to jump on it and he's going to have it before your receiver does and like you said hey if you if you if you fire it in there and it goes out of bounds so be it 
a lot less likely to be a disaster than a ball starts getting batted around exactly in the right. And somebody ends up with it in their hands and off they go. Right, exactly right. Or or like what we saw, you know, last year a few times where you know he throws the ball so hard over the middle that even his own receiver is like defensive and it you know it hits his hands and pops up in the air. You know, those are uh, that that's that's something about uh, those throws are. You know, get comfortable learning to see the field when you hear the things, hey, the game is slowing down. Uh, that's where, you know, hey, maybe week seven, week eight, okay, he's playing, he's seeing the field good. Now we can start maybe throwing some of these balls into tight windows over the middle a little bit more. But I, I just think with, man, their team, it's one of the best old lines in football, one of the best tight ends in football. You got Debo, Brandon Ayuk. And the kid Gray that we saw catch the 70-yard touchdown who ran 4-3 at the Combine from SMU, the stable of running backs they have, and then the genius of Shanahan to me where, yeah, there might be some things that are a little more inconsistent at the quarterback position, but I think what we're both saying is they're going to be more dangerous. I don't give a damn that you know the, the six-yard throw over the middle might not be as consistently as good. I, I just think with the talent they have and then his skill set – Shanahan and company will devise something that's going to make them a more dangerous football team as long as he can stay healthy and as long as he doesn't you know, try to be Brett Favre and, and fit too many balls into tight windows and turn the ball over that way. And, and that's where I just look at the 49ers as a, as a Super Bowl contender, 100%. Well, to the extent that you weren't entirely prepared for the pop-up draft on the quarterback at the backup role, you have the most faith in. How about this one, which I suspect you didn't notice either because I didn't. Better, <laughs> worse, or same with Trey Lance taking over for Jimmy Garoppolo. We've got four different categories. Let's start. This year, 49ers, two-minute drill. Better, worse, or same in your estimation with Trey Lance taking over for Jimmy G? Well, I, I'm going to go with worse, right? Off, at least off the bat. I, I mean, this is a guy that we've discussed. I mean, he, I don't think he had a two-minute drill in college. And, again, that's where, you know, going with some of these, you know, the consistent accuracy, making the right mental decision play after play after play, I'm not going to put him in Jimmy Garoppolo's class quite right away. Now, that doesn't mean by week 10 he might be, you know, kicking, kicking ass in that department and taking names. But right off the bat, I, I think that'll be worse than it was with Jimmy Garoppolo, who, who wasn't bad in that department if you kind of look at it. I'm trying to remember the times where they actually did maybe like a halftime two-minute drill. Was there a time where Jimmy Garoppolo drives him down well, the field to pull out a big win? The last game of the year against the Rams. The last game of the year against the Rams, remember? Yeah. Get to the playoffs. Right. Yep. 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 All right. Yeah. How quickly we forget. <laughs> uh, I'll agree with you then and say worse because the kid just has to prove it. Now, down 10 points in the fourth quarter, which is kind of the same, but it's more of an expanded two-minute drill. It is, hey, we need to get a couple of touchdowns here at a minimum, a touchdown and a field goal to extend this thing to overtime. Who you have more faith in Ooh. there, Lance or Garoppolo? And to phrase it more accurately, better, worse, or same? Yeah, it's, it's, this, is, this is a tough one here. Um, I don't, I, you know, where I would say you know, the last one was clearly worse, at least off the bat. This is one where, you know, down 10 in the fourth, you still can run the playbook as far as Shanahan's concern. And now... You don't have to worry about, hey, the team knows we're just going to drop back and throw. There's still going to be, hey, we can still run the Debo sweep and a screen and you know a Trey Lance run and set up a big play for Trey Lance to throw the 60-yard bomb over the top. So I'm going to go better. 
I'm going to go better here. I was going to say same, but I'm going to go better. I am. I'm, I'm going to take that, and I might be going out on a little bit of a limb here, uh, but, but I'll go better here. I'm going to go same because yeah. this is the sense that I have hovering over all of these, that it's still Shanahan, and he's going to have the plays ready to go that will factor in the differences between Garoppolo That's what I mean. And See, yeah, there's a lot of – So, yeah. Like, yeah. like, it's kind of like same for all. Because the co- the head coach is still the same, and he'll coach them differently. He'll call the plays differently if he thinks he needs to. But just like you said, down 10, they still have their full playbook at their disposal. That means Shanahan is the guy pressing the buttons, pulling the levers, and making it happen. So I think it's the same. Yeah. I mean, again, and if it's down 10 with three minutes left, I don't know. Then we get back into the two-minute drill, and I'm going to go, okay, that's not exactly – the same thing. I'm thinking down 10 and there's still 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter where you're going to have the ball still two more times, maybe three more times if things go the right way. So that, you know, there, there's some intricacies here, but, but yeah, I, I, I think you're spot on. I'm, I'm kind of with you there. Here's where we potentially will be accused of trolling the 49ers. The next category up 10 in the fourth quarter. Now I didn't say up 10 with seven minutes left in the Super Bowl, but yeah, 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 that would be trolling <laughs> up 10 in the fourth quarter. Better, worse, same better for sure. This is one. I don't even, I'm not even like not even batting an eye here. This is where this is where, you know, we need one big play to change the field position and get one or two more first downs and this game's over. And that to me is where Trey Lance will be big with, Oh, he scrambled around the edge for a 20 yard gain. Oh, they thought they had him on third and four. No, they're not They're They still got the ball. Uh, so that, or, or, and again, you're going to be able to run the ball with Shanahan and Trey Lance, I think will have the ability to hit the big throw better than Jimmy Garoppolo down the field. So that, that's where I'll, I'll definitely say better there. Yeah, I agree with you, and we've seen it. They would have a Super Bowl ring already with Garoppolo if he could have performed better in that clutch. And it's not the typical clutch where we need you to go out and lead us to victory. We need you to go out and lead us to cementing. Yeah, find this a victory. way to win this game and put it, a, you know, end it for us. And then you're right. I think they have more avenues with Trey Lance, right? Even with the quarterback design runs, and you know, there'll be more tricks to be had because Trey Lance and his skill set that I just think they'll be a pain in the butt when they're up 10 in the fourth quarter. And it all comes down to can you execute in that moment when you know you're delivering the dagger? you got to make that one more play. And it, it affects you. You're, you're human. You're thinking about it. i got to make this one more play. If I can make this one more play, we win the game. And if I don't, uh-oh, we may have a problem. You really have to find a, a different level of calm than you do in the play-in and play-out grind of a football game. It all comes down to this, can I deliver in this spot? And we know, all due respect, that Jimmy G cannot. 49ers intermediate passing this season, better, worse, or same with Trey Lance replacing Garoppolo? Well, if it's anything between like five and eight yards – I, we've discussed this already, right? Five to 10 yards. I, I'm probably still going to go with Jimmy Garoppolo. But I think if we're talking about intermediate, you know, anywhere from 12 to 20, 12 to 25, now I'm going I'm going better here. I, I think Trey Lance will be better with some of these power throws. So you know, I think we're kind of seeing as we, we lay this out that it's, there's, there's a reason Trey Lance is going to be the starting quarterback. I probably should have had the same like you on the second one down in 10 and fourth quarter, but I, I'm going to go better with – you know, plus 10-yard type of passes with Trey Lance. You've got more 
more potential throws available. Exactly. That automatically makes it better. Uh-huh. If you're going to go outside the numbers, he's got that laser. So the defense is, you know, they're, 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 they're scouting you. They know what you do. They know what you like to do. They know where they need to shade. And like if I, hey, I'm, they're going to pass here. I'm more likely to go to the middle than the outside. Now I don't know which way I'm going. 100%. And they, they designed the play to make me think it's going to be an, uh, a throw in the middle. And it's a really over here. And, and there it goes right by my head. And that's it. So I agree with you. Better as well. So all in all, we, we see the potential for the 49ers to be better with Trey Lance than Jimmy G, which, hey, they got to find out. They made the decision April of last year. Now is the time to find out, and I credit them for finally getting past this idea that, who knows, we'll keep another year. No, no. It's done. It's over. Let's go with Trey Lance, and let's see what he can do. This segment is done. What can we expect from some other offenses this season? We will give our confidence levels on a scale of 1 to 10 when this Tuesday edition of PFT Live continues right after this. Good news for the Los Angeles Rams. Matthew Stafford fully participated in practice on Monday. Bad news for the Rams running backs. Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson did not practice as they're both dealing with soft tissue injuries. I'll take Stafford over the running backs, though. The elbow thing seems to be calming down. He fully participated yesterday. They expect him to fully participate again today, Chris. Look, it's fair to keep an eye on it, but apparently they've figured something out that has allowed them to calm this situation down and let him continue his preparation three weeks and two days away from the regular season opener against the Buffalo Bills. Not nearly the level of concern that we we sensed a week and a half ago. Yeah, no, know. It, it, it's, it's, it's encouraging. And I think it all started with like, okay, we saw you know a few of those days where, yeah, he, he, he was making some aggressive throws, even though it was kind of in a controlled environment that gave us a little encouragement. And then we didn't hear anything for a few days, and all of a sudden it's just, bam, he's – He's out of the blue. He's on normal practice schedule. So that, that means that the pain must have subsided, and he's, he's feeling pretty good, and that's a positive, and I'm, I'm glad about that because I certainly want to see Josh Allen versus Matt Stafford in our first game of the NFL season. Although based on how Bryce Perkins played over the week. Uh, no, did a good I job, should, still, but he did a good need, job, made some plays. Stafford. Yeah. Still needs to be Stafford versus Josh Allen. So let's do this, scale of 1 to 10, confidence level, the Rams' offense will be ex- as explosive as it was last year. Scale of one to ten, what do you got? So, so ten, I'm, I'm saying they're going to be just as. I, I, I don't, ten is always good. Well, I'm just going to say this: I, I don't think they're going to be as explosive. I don't. I don't know what it is. They're just between no Andrew Whitworth, lost Austin Corbett, a, you know, offensive line. So I'm going to go with like a six here. I still think they're going to be a really good offense, but. Van Jefferson dealing with a little injury, you know, Allen Robinson learning a new offense and, and, you know, indoctrinating him into that as well. I I don't know. There's just a part of me that the Super Bowl hangover, everybody's studying you. I I don't, for some reason, envision it being as as explosive as last year. So I'm going to go with a six there. Yeah, look, this hasn't been discussed that I'm aware of, but I can imagine that after Cooper Cup has... A near historic season when it comes to catches and yards last year, defensive coordinators are going to be more committed to taking him away and forcing Stafford to go elsewhere. And that's where Allen Robinson and Van Jefferson come into play. There's no OBJ. There's no Robert Woods. 
if defenses are determined to not let Cooper Cup embarrass them the way he did last year, they can neutralize him. And look what was happening in the Super Bowl. They were neutralizing him. They yeah. were. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So no doubt. Uh, you got seven months to study what the Rams did. Can the Rams stay ahead of it? I agree with you. They did lose some guys. They aren't going to be quite what they were. They're going to be a work in progress, especially early on. I'll go with a seven as it relates to last year's explosiveness translating to this year. Let's pivot down to Tampa Bay. Your confidence level that Tom Brady will pick up where he left off last season, despite his absence from training camp and the fact that, as the rest of us are, he's a year older. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm still going to put it at like an eight. I, I mean, I, I still I, – I got tremendous confidence here. I do. Maybe it should be nine. I'll go nine. Uh, th- their team is just too damn good. He still throws the ball great. They have a really damn good offensive line. You know, I know we got to figure a few things out in the middle there, but I don't think it's going to be as, like, drastic or, or as concerning as people think. You know, there's no Gronk, but – Hey, you hear Julio, it's Mike Evans, Godwin's there. I think some of these young guys are going to start to pop up a little bit more. Jalen Darden. Uh, uh, so I, I'm, I'm still very confident in, in Brady and his ability to push the ball down the field and be aggressive. So I'm going to go nine here. I, I, I'm i surprised that you're going that high. I, I, I just, you think it might, you think old, the old man might come through here a little bit well, more? And, well, I, I mean, father time is undefeated. Yeah. I just, I just am amazed that Tom Brady's held him off as long as he had. I'm looking at this from a, a, a broader perspective. Um, and I, I'm trying to draw upon life experiences. Like if you're in a, if you're in a relationship that you want out of, and you can't get out of it, so you decide to just give it another try. How many times is it better? Like if you're dating somebody, yeah, we've all been there. You're dating somebody, and it's really not going well, and maybe there's somebody else you'd like to date, and that doesn't work out, so you just kind of stick with who you have. And it, when does that ever work, Chris? And that's kind of what happened here. If, if, if we're going to acknowledge that he wanted to go to Miami – that he wanted to leave the Buccaneers, and he comes back and they've made the change by making Bruce Arians not the coach and now Todd Bowles is the coach. I just don't know that the vibe, whatever contributed to Tom Brady wanting out, I don't understand how that's going to be instantly better. And he's a year older. And you don't have Ryan Jensen at center, so you're susceptible to heat coming up the middle. And I know they got Shaq Mason to replace one of the guards who left. You had Kappa who left and then the one that retired and – I, I, I think that that you know we were talking. Uh, I think during the break about how Brett Favre should have left Minnesota after 2009, right, at that right. 2010 season. It was just one year too many. I think there's a chance this is going to be one year too many mm. for Tom Brady in Tampa. And so I'm going to say I was going to go six, but since you said nine, I'm at least going to hedge a little bit. I'll say six and a half to seven. <laughs> Okay, but I just I, 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 I I'm looking you. at the evidence that's out there, I and know. on top of it, he's taken a 10 day break during training camp for a personal reason that continues to be this great mystery. That until we know what it is, we can't even begin to figure out how it's going to factor into his performance this year. Uh, is it yeah. something that gets solved with 10 days away, and he comes back next week, and everything's fine, like no issue? I'm fine. I have no distractions. I can go all in on football. Whatever the personal reason was, 10 days away solved it conclusively and permanently. 
I, there's too many questions for me. Okay. I, I, I get you. <clears throat> I get you. And I, I worry about the age thing, too. I hear you. I mean, you know, again, like we saw, and if the offensive line can't protect, just like we saw in the Rams game, I mean, the Rams should have blown them out in that game. I mean, they were just dropping the ball left and right. That game should have been 45 to, to 10. I mean, it was so I, there is concern there for sure. But damn, I don't know. I just, I just have a hard time doubting the guy. And then I just have the ultimate respect for Byron Leftwich as an offensive mind. Uh, just their ability to, to come up with aggressive game plans and be dangerous that way. So that's where I'm like, I'm flawed. And then, I, I, Mike, I, I, don't, I don't think you're crazy for what you said. I certainly, that's on my radar too. I guess I'm just going with the fact that he's Brady and he's going to find some way to, to look damn good as he does usually. And again, we just assume you pop Bruce Arians out, you plug Todd Bowles in, and everything is fine. We're taking for granted that Arians was a very good game day coach. Why? Because we never were talking about him on Monday screwing up a game by making a bad decision as to when to go for it, when to call a timeout, when to do this, when to do that, the key decisions that a coach makes on game day. There was never a time where he was like this, you know, like a Mike McCarthy, like, what the hell is he doing? That was never the case with Bruce Arians. And now Todd Bowles has to has to manage to to live up to that level of achievement. Confidence level. Uh oh, blow the horn. The Vikings will have a top 10 offense this season. They were 12th last year with a defensive head coach whose defense sucked and a revolving door at offensive coordinator. They still were number 12. How confident are you they'll be a top 10 unit with Kevin O'Connell as the head coach? I'm going to go eight here. I'm going to go eight. I, I mean, I almost want to go harder, but it is a new coach and a new, you know, system for everybody. So I guess I'm a little, you know, timid to go there all in. But, man, I mean, the offensive line kind of looked good against the Raiders. You got three damn good running backs there in Minnesota. And those two receivers are the real deal, and then really you got three. You got three or four receivers. You know, the, the third and fourth receiver aren't bad either. And Osborne, and um, I'm blanking out on the other guy, but Smith then Marset. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, so I, I, Cousins is an underrated quarterback who I think will be able to take advantage of a system that has more to offer. So I certainly can see them being a top ten offense this year. I'm going nine. Yeah. I, look, and, and and you know how I felt about the decision to hire Kevin O'Connell. I thought they should have hired Jim Harbaugh. Uh, but, you know, as we get closer to this thing and you do consider how well the offense did despite the dysfunction last year, despite uh, a head coach who withheld stinking. praise from, from Kirk Cousins, and it was just a constant irritant between him and and the quarterback of the team. And now you've got a guy who's a quarterback whisperer who's got experience with Cousins. And Dalvin Cook could be special, as special as he's, as he's been if he can stay healthy, which which he has for the most part. Justin Jefferson poised to become the Cooper Cup of this attack. Adam Thielen's still getting it done and a real red zone, red zone weapon. Irv Smith, if he can stay healthy, had a thumb problem. Uh, last year it was a knee that, that caused him to miss the whole season. K.J. Osborne. And we, we talked about Smith-Marset and Albert Wilson with a couple of touchdown catches. Yeah, Albert, that's one. who I was if he thinking. Could make, if that's he could right. make the right. roster, right. if he could make the roster at age 30, he could be a difference maker. Uh, and Alexander Madison, if and when Dalvin Cook is banged up, I I, I think that, that the offense is going to be really good. The question is going to be, can the defense in this shift from a 4-3 to a 3-4 be significantly better? But 
when you look at how bad it was last year, I mean, it's kind of like the Cowboys defense. Everybody thinks they were the 85 Bears all of a sudden. No. They, they were the 21st the crap in that football. they were the year right. before. <laughs> right. Yeah, if they were horrible the year before, so anything is going to be an improvement. So I, I, I could see the Vikings having the kind of year that the Cowboys had last year where they're surprisingly good, they get to the playoffs, and, and then it's on them to see if they can, can find a way to thread the needle in, in the close, in both conferences, contests that we see in the postseason. Yeah, I'm with you there, Mike. I, 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 I hear you, and I think that offense can be dangerous for sure. All right, confidence level of the Kansas City Chiefs offense will not miss a beat without receiver Tyreek Hill. That's my that's my number. How's it? What do you think that is? Puh, puh. I had 10, 12, 25. Put the highest number you want on there. In the bit. Yeah, I mean, what? I have no. The I, they will be the. They will be one of the best offenses in football. People are insane to think that Tyree Kill was the thing that made that thing go. He's awesome. I get that. They got weapons galore. I think they're going to be a team on a mission this year. They got to the AFC Championship game last year, and they played B-plus football last year. I mean, come on. They, they, they played like crap for the first half of the year. They were in Super Bowl hangover, trying to find themselves. Only Mahomes can play like crap and still look like the best quarterback in football. I mean, they're, they're amazing. I just, I just I don't have any doubt about this crew. And, in fact, I think in some ways – you know, it's not like they're not replacing him at all with anything. I think this is one where I go, you know, I, I actually think the spreading of the wealth here is going to be more of a pain in the ass for defenses. I think Tyree Kill almost pigeonholed them to a degree and wait, we got to get him off and we got to do this and put him there and do this and do this. And it was almost a telltale sign for defenses at time. And listen, I think Tyree Kill is amazing, but with this quarterback and this offensive mind of Andy Reid and a really good offensive line and still tons of weapons, I just go, no way. I just 10, 10 all the way here. Yeah. Look, th- I know. the what obvious question yeah. is, well, the obvious yeah. question is Tyree Kill is gone and he's a guy that commanded extra attention all the time. However, however, there's an argument to be made that having Tyree Kill on the team and having him as an option that was available to Patrick Mahomes could become counterproductive because you've got Mahomes wanting to drive the Ferrari. He's got all these other cars that he can drive really well, right. but he wants to throw it 70 yards down the field to this guy who can get behind anyone and everyone. And we saw what happened. In Super Bowl 54, we were talking about the 10-point lead that was squandered by the 49ers. What was the play that started it? It was that jet chip wasp play that Peter King diagrammed after the game, met with Andy Reid, broke it all down, how it all worked, and it was Tyree Kill. So that's the challenge. And maybe maybe when they sat down to look at all factors – the money that Tyree Kill wants, the extent to which he was becoming a pain in the ass behind the scenes. And he admitted it himself in his podcast that he was agitating, never took it public, but he made it private. He, he wasn't happy with the number of times he was getting the ball. Well, he got the ball a lot of times. He got the ball a lot of times. So 
I, I think they would like to develop more options. They would like to use Patrick Mahomes in a way where he spreads the ball around. That's the challenge, though. If you don't have a guy that's going to command double coverage, you got to be able to get through read one, read two, read three, read four. You got to have command of the full field. You got to spot before the play even begins where your open guy is going to be, like Tom Brady has done in recent years. Yeah. Now that we're at year five as a starter for Patrick Mahomes, maybe he's getting to that point where he's got an even greater command pre snap of what's going to happen once he has the ball. So it's Andy Reid, it's Patrick Mahomes. They do have weapons. I was hesitant throughout much of the offseason, but I'll say nine. I'll say nine. Niner. Just just in case, nine. Yeah. All right. Uh, although I, I agree with you, there's reason to believe they're going to be exactly what they were. Last one. Confidence level that Josh Allen and the Bills will live up to the preseason hype that is being heaped upon them. This is the kiss of death, usually. Right? It really is. This is what you don't want. You want to be <laughs> right. the team that everybody is overlooking. What's your faith that they'll live up to the hype well I, we, we mentioned it earlier on in the show uh, I, to me you know the new england offensive coordinator thing is you know a big deal and like ken dorsey taking over for brian dayball and and what they do in buffalo i think that's another huge thing that's kind of been overlooked here and and i don't mean any disrespect to ken dorsey or the bills i just I got to see it a little first. That's where I, I questioned. I mean, this day ball is a really damn good offensive mind slash quarterback whisperer. You know, those, it's not easy, easily replaced. It's not just, hey, oh, let's just call this play because I got Josh. There's a way of packaging these plays and having a feel of sequencing of the plays. Ooh, if I do this and this, they'll adjust and do that, and then I could do this. And will Ken Dorsey have the feel for that stuff? I have no doubt in Josh Allen. I mean, Josh Allen and Mahomes are the king of kings. They, to me, are the best quarterbacks in the football, and they're in a little bit of a class of their own. So I don't doubt him. So it's like I'm going to go eight just because it's like I want to give 10 to Josh Allen, and then I have a little trepidation with the Ken Dorsey thing. So I'll go eight there uh, overall. They had a lot of hype going into last year, too. Remember what happened week one at home against the Steelers? Yeah. Fell asleep at the wheel a little they bit. Caught had a punt blocked. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know. Josh Allen um, held the ball, got strip sacked by TJ Watt, all that stuff. I I I I'll say seven. I'll say seven. And I feel like that's a little high. I just feel like the the Bills are the team that's being set up to fail with all this hype. And it may be that they deliver. But the AFC is so tightly packed. You give me any team versus the field, I'm taking the field. Because the field is so potent. And the Bills are going to have the – they didn't make it to the Super Bowl and they got a bigger bullseye on them than the Bengals do. <laughs> no, I I, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And the Chiefs are still the Chiefs. And they're, the, this is perfect for the Chiefs. This is perfect no for them. Doubt. I mean, they were up – I know. They were up big in the first half of the AFC Championship. It's amazing to me they didn't make it back to the Super Bowl. And, and uh, they're just going to keep on rolling. Now they're in a tough division – but at least everyone's not heaping all this praise on them and hype on them that can become counterproductive. You really do have a challenge if you're Sean McDermott to get your guys to go back. Hey, think of how they had their hearts ripped out in the playoff game. And you go back to zero and zero. You're back at the bottom of the mountain and you've got to climb it again. And you know what happened the last two times you got close to the top of the mountain. You got smacked down in Kansas City each time. That's hard. We saw the Saints do it, and we've seen the Bills do it before getting all the way to the Super Bowl, and they went back three times. Right. It's, I, I, I think we need to understand what, what a psychological challenge that is 
to go all the way back to the beginning and try it again when you come so close and and you feel like we put all that effort in and we didn't get to where we wanted to be. I just think it's hard to reset. There's a lot of reasons to to be leery if you're a Bills fan and having all this hype would only make me more leery. Yeah, I, I, I I'm, it scares me too. It does. I'm hoping they can play a little bit different style of football where it's just not always on Josh Allen. Hey, it's third and two or, okay, let's run Josh Allen. Hey, it's third and 12. Hey, Josh, make magic happen and throw a laser somewhere. You know, I, I'm hoping they can be a hair more balanced in the run game and that way. And then, you know, the defense, I, I know Leslie Frazier and McDermott are going to have that crew ready. My thing is, can they have that crew ready? See, to me, they were the number one defense last year because of the coaching, because of Leslie Frazier and McDermott. They, they on that side of the ball, hopefully Von Miller, maybe Kair Elam, their first-round corner, some of these guys, Tredavious White being back healthy, they need some guys that can make some plays, take some pressure off of McDermott and Leslie Frazier so they don't always have to call the perfect defense and game plan. You know, I, I think we talked about this earlier in the offseason. They kind of feasted on the poor when it became to their defense. When they played good offenses last year, whether it was you know the Chiefs or the Colts and some other games – you know, the Patriots even, you know, especially the second one in New England. There's other ones that I'm just trying to rattle off the top of my head. They weren't, like, dominant. It wasn't like, oh, man, the, the scary Buffalo Bills are coming to town. Whenever there was a team that had a quarterback and kind of a good offensive plan, they weren't the most dominant defense. And I think maybe they got some, some horses in there this year that can make them, hey, Coach doesn't have to dial up the perfect play. Von Miller's going to get around the edge and get a strip sack. Gregory Rousseau in second year is going to make some plays. Ed Oliver, blah, blah, blah. So I, I'm hopeful that they can do it a little bit more as a team and not ride Josh Allen so hard. We need to take a break, but let me just say this. Yeah. The shift from Brian Dable to Ken Dorsey should not be underestimated, and it gets back to an argument I've been making. When you have an offensive head coach in this age of offense and how important it is, to have that coach tied to the quarterback, nothing against Sean McDermott. I'm just saying generally, you don't have to worry about your your quarterback whisperer becoming a head coach elsewhere when your offensive coordinator and your head coach are the same guy. And he's because he ain't going anywhere as yeah. long as it's working. He's Sean McVay and he's staying put. That's where one of the biggest concerns comes from this year all because the head coach isn't the offensive guy who's tied to Josh Allen. All right, let's take a break. The Roquan Smith situation in Chicago getting a little stranger as the Bears try their best to get their star linebacker signed to a new contract. More PFT Live right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Roquan Smith, the Bears linebacker, still trying to get a new contract with the team. And it has gotten strange over the past few days. We were on this on Friday. I started hearing that teams were getting called by an agent who isn't an NFLPA certified agent who was trying to 
instigate trade interest in Smith, even though the Bears had not given him permission to shop himself into trade. This is one of the problems of players representing themselves. And Chris, one thing that I've been learning, when a player represents himself, he really isn't representing himself. What he's doing is he's circumventing the process and hiring someone at something other than a percentage-based fee to assist him. And those folks who aren't authorized to negotiate with teams are doing it. And they're either doing it directly. One of the things that's also happening is they'll set up an email account that is supposedly the player communicating with the team, and it's actually the agent, the non-certified NFLPA agent, pretending to be the player communicating with the team. So I don't know what the NFL can do about this. They sent out a memo yesterday warning teams, number one, it's tampering if you talk to this person named St. Omni who is calling the teams and trying to instigate a trade. And number two, you can't negotiate with anyone other than the player if the player isn't represented by an NFLPA agent. And again, they can huff and puff all they want. I don't know how they ever prove it. And like if you're the Bears, you just want to get a deal done with the guy. You go along with whatever. You just want to get a contract. What does it take to get a contract done with this guy? If we have to hold our nose or... Or, or look the other way, then so be it, because we just want to get this guy signed. Yeah, I, I, I know. I just, it, it's, it's very weird. It, it's up there. It's, it's getting into the dysfunctional area here as far as the relationship between the, the player and the team. He seems like he really wants out of there, and he's not happy. But, but I come back to like what Ryan Pohl said last week in the free agency, the GM there, and go, I, I mean, he made some strong statements. And, it, I mean, he said there was what? some record-breaking aspects of the contract. So I don't think they're, like, cheaping out on him here. Um, that's where I'm a, I'm a little surprised. And, yeah, there's there's a lot of issues there. There really is. They need him. Uh, I think he would be a great fit in that defensive scheme. And, again, when we get into the agent thing, you know, of course, uh, please hire an agent. I just It's so disappointing to see players do this right now. And, I, I mean, can you imagine that? Like, what was what was St. Omni doing? Like, calling the front office of teams? Like, hello. Um, he, was calling, he was calling other teams. He literally was calling I don't, other teams. I don't have saying, the GM's we, number. We, <laughs> can you he give get, me? He got, no. <laughs> he, he, he found a way to get him. He got him. He found okay. a way to get in touch with him. And he was calling them up. Wow. And and he was saying, and it, I mean, as I understand it, it was as blunt and as nonchalant as it could be, even though the guy doesn't have permission to try to seek a trade. I'm, I'm, hey, I'm Roquan Smith. I, I, I'm helping Roquan Smith. I represent Roquan Smith, whatever the case may be. And we're, we're you know, we're, we're trying to see if somebody's interested in trading for him. It's a blatant tampering violation, and I, I suspect, or at least I hope, the teams that got the call reported it immediately to the Bears. That's what you're supposed to do. Right. If a player Seems initiates like contact with you when they're under contract with another team, you have to tell the other team, hey, your guy's calling me up here. Yeah. And I think that's what culminated in yesterday's memo. Number one, reminding the teams you can't talk to these guys unless they have permission from their team to shop themselves in a trade. And two... You, you, you can't talk to anyone but the player if the player is going to represent himself. Yeah, it's it's uh, amateur hour. I mean, for sure there. And, and yeah, I'm sure the teams are like, what? I mean, who are you? I'm not talking to you. This isn't uh, – so I would think, yes, teams called Chicago, the league, whatever, to, to kind of report this. It seems the way it, that that's the way it happened. But, yeah, kind of a shocking development. It is. And, again, we don't know the exact parameters of the contract, but – 
He deserves to be one of the higher-paid linebackers in football. There's no doubt about that. There's no doubt. He is a special football player. But, man, I don't know. Is this going to be – can they can they bring this back together right now? It, it seems like it's it's kind of getting ugly here, and, and they're not happy. I mean, even last week with him not practicing, right, I saw Matt Eberflus, like, ask him why he's not practicing. He's been cleared to practice. So there's obviously a disconnect in communication. It seems like it's getting a little bitter here. What's the end game? We say this all the time with the hold-ins. Almost all of them result in a new contract. At some point, though, the team has to say, hey, look, you're here. It's time to work. We've got to fine you if you refuse to work. And if he leaves, then you do the whole five-day letter thing. He gets shut down for the season, doesn't play for anybody. I mean, there, there are some ugly options for this thing to go as yeah. it moves forward, but it's different than a holdout. And the, the player gets to have it both ways. He's holding out his services, but he's not holding out and getting fined. And at some point, the team's just got to draw a line in the sand, and, and maybe the Bears are reluctant to do that because they don't want the situation to blow up. All right, we got to take a break. When we return, some of the best catches from the first week of the 2022 NFL preseason. We'll take a look at those when PFT Live continues right after this. Wow. That is awesome. That is awesome. We tweeted the link to the full song. I didn't know that. America's Got Talent. I didn't either. It's the Football Players Choir. It includes current and former NFL players such as Tully Banta Kane, Willie Yarberry, Brian Scott, Bryant McKinney, Isaiah McKenzie, Steve wow. Pierce, Leonard Weaver, Cameron Lamarck Newton, Prince Amukamara, and Jamon Brown. And uh, they're getting it done. They're getting it done. I used Amazing. to watch America's Got Talent all the time. Maybe I need to watch it again since it's an NBC product. Maybe I should. Maybe uh, maybe yeah. I'm required to contractually. I don't know, but this is just it's football season. I don't watch anything but news and football this time of year. And uh, let's get back to the football conversation. Sam Bivalent, oh one. What second year or younger quarterbacks would you trade Kirk Cousins for right now? Go ahead. You want time? You, go, you, you, you can, all of them. You can go. Go ahead. Any you of go. them? Because it's a Kirk Cousins. He's your favorite quarterback. The well, Minnesota I mean, Vikings. It's, it's so broad. I know. Tr Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Yes. Right. Mac right? Jones. Trey Lance. Yes. Okay. Mac Jones. Yes. I mean, I, I, I would. I mean, all of them. I, I'm ready for Kellen Mond to take over. Although I still, <laughs> I, I still believe that. There's a chance that Kirk is going to be a lot better this year with Kevin O'Connell. But, yeah, these second-year quarterbacks, there's plenty of good ones out there, and we still don't know how good they're going to be, and the ceiling can be higher than the ceiling that Kirk Cousins has been banging his head against for seven years. Yeah, I, I, I get that. They're, they all they all have more potential, for sure, than Kirk Cousins. But, damn, he's good. I, I, I'm going to, like, just the ones we know about right now, or at least that I feel confident about, 
Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones, and again, I'm I'm a Zach Wilson guy. So th- those three right there, I would trade for sure. You know, the other ones, hey, Trey Lance, I understand his great his greatest potential is is way bigger than than Kirk Cousins, but I, I got to see it a little first before I just you know throw that out there. I wouldn't trade him for Kenny Pickett because we just don't know yeah. enough about Pickett yet. Right. Although he was pretty damn good on Saturday, he, was. he has moved up to number two. He's getting second team reps. I don't yeah. know if he's officially number two yet, but they say that was part of the plan. And that's the progression. You put him at three, make him earn it. Yeah, and he should. He I said it. a couple of weeks ago. I said a couple of weeks ago on radio in Pittsburgh, and they acted like it was some big revelation, like it's some hot take. If he can't beat out Mason Rudolph, you shouldn't have drafted him. I, I don't think that that is – I don't think that that's all that controversial of a, of a statement. Using the 20th overall pick in the draft on a guy, and if you can't beat out Mason Rudolph, you shouldn't have taken him, and he's in the process of moving fair. his way up, yep. up the ladder. All right, White Diculous is the Twitter handle. Which team in the <laughs> NFC is going to be the biggest threat to the Rams repeating as champions? Who's the biggest threat? Well, the Bucks, I, somebody else. Yeah, I mean, the I, I look at the, there's three teams here, so let's let's have an intelligent conversation, at least in my opinion. I, I mean, yeah, it, that would be a break from our usual. That would be that would be dumb and dumber over here. A, a Bucks, the Niners, the Eagles. I look at those three teams and just go, I I don't see really any weak spots on their roster. You know, I know we have the Eagles and, and 49ers, the quarterback questions to a degree, but they're not big enough to me to where I just go, oh, they, they're, they, they'll they be 8-8 eight and eight now or 8-9 and nine because of these quarterbacks. It's just like, will they get their footing underneath them and be good enough to where they're a one or a two seed or will it take a little while and they're going to be a four or five seed? And, and th- those are the three teams that, you know, really pop to me. I, I agree with you on the 49ers. Look, if Trey Lance is the real deal – I can see the 49ers take over the division this year. Agreed. I, I agree. I, you know, yeah, there's some things I question in that division a little bit this year, other than the 49ers. It's so difficult as a new season approaches. We, we get overly caught up in how the last season ended. And we know that there's going to be significant turnover in the postseason field, in the division champions. But it's hard to break from the status quo. And could the 49ers easily win that division? Absolutely. What about the Packers? You didn't mention the Packers. You're you're, you're going yeah. to get I mean, a I'm, nasty you know, I, I text know. from Aaron Rodgers. Well, I, I, you know, I'd like to see them and their offense and what that's going to look like. I, they're they're to me not quite in the class of those three teams we just talked about. Aaron Rodgers closes the gap, but like our man Rodney Harrison said at the Hall of Fame game, I think there is potential for them to maybe be a, a really dominant defensive football team. Joe Barry's a really damn good defensive coordinator. And then, you know, Jair Alexander being back. And then you add in the two Georgia guys that were, I think, insane prospects. Devontae Wyatt had some off-the-field problems. I think he was a top-ten pick in, in, for my money. And then you add that with, you know, the, uh, the, the, the linebacker Quay Walker. You know, I, I could see them being that way. But I, I guess my question is that the receiver and all that – and, you know, can they answer the bell again, you know, for another year? I, I guess there's a part of me that's just, you know, not as bullish on them maybe as the rest of the world is. Yeah, I, I think that it's going to be a challenge for them. Two straight years is the one seed. Two straight disappointing playoff performances. If they are the one seed, though, and the Rams have to go to Lambeau Field, that's a huge impediment 100%. to the Rams' ability right. to get to the Super Bowl, although better off with Matthew Stafford going to Green Bay than Jared Goff 
going to Green Bay. I'm going to skip ahead to this question from the PFTPM policy because I want to make sure folks understand how the timeline works. The question is, how were the Dolphins in play for both Deshaun Watson and Tom Brady at the same time? They weren't. They weren't. Deshaun Watson was their obsession last offseason and through the trade deadline. The Brady stuff happened after the season, after they decided to move on from Brian Flores, presuming they could get Sean Payton, if that's how the timeline worked. Again, if... Or I'm even at the curious. end of New England that time too, right? Right, right. Yeah. It's, too, it's 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 sandwiched Watson. Right. It was they wanted Brady 2019-2020. Okay, they don't get him. He goes to Tampa. They get Tua going into 21. Watson wants out of Houston. We want Watson. Right. The Watson thing closes because he couldn't get all of his cases settled or the Dolphins would have traded for him last year. They pivot back to Brady. So I, it's, I know a lot's gone on. And it's confusing because the Dolphins seemingly want everyone but the guy they have, but it was Brady, Watson, Brady. Yes, right. Yeah, you're you're exactly right. I know it's it's I think people get confused there a little bit, but come on, PFT PM Posse. You should know yeah. that. Are you you not should be listening. The show? Come on, how dare what you what kind of posse are you if you're well, not watching well, us all the time? I I think the guy who runs the account likes to partake in some of the activities that you're currently refraining from. Man, I think that may be oh well, he's he's, then he's brilliant. He must be a really smart guy. I like that guy actually. I take it all everything I, I said back. <laughs> how about this one, Paul Fitz? Dose, dose. Do you think a separate area for first battle Hall of Famers would be sufficient to mollify Deion Sanders and address the watering down of the Hall of Fame? And look, at some point they're going to have too many busts for that room. At some point they're going to have to bust out another room for the busts, and maybe that's how you do it. You've got the standard, and then you get the premium level. I could see that happening at some point. I got no issue with that. I think that's a, a pretty good idea by Paul Fitzdosey Doze or whatever the hell his name is. I, I like that. I do. I think you know, the, there's a few first ballot Hall of Famers every now and then where I go, what? that He shouldn't be a first ballot Hall of Famer. So I don't know if that necessarily classifies all of it, but it would be a big step. And And again, like we said yesterday, I do think – that Lawrence Taylor, Reggie White, you know, Peyton Manning, Brett Favre, Deion Sanders, you know, th- those type of players, they, they should be in their own department. They are, they are in the Hall of Fame of the Hall of Fame, in my opinion. I like your idea of the gold jacket literally made out of gold where Let's do I it. guess you, you have to, like, slip your body into it because it's not <laughs> it's like anybody can kind of crusty and hard you gotta, right <laughs> you got it yeah uh all right uh real quickly before we break tyler hergert asked a question and this is an easy answer he asked should the nfl bring back nfl europe rather than expanding or relocating one or two teams to london it's apples and oranges the nfl would have nfl europe if it could make money off of it they got rid of it because they were losing money they don't care about having a developmental league because it's a zero-sum game there's always going to be 53 guys on a roster if they could make money off of it they would do it that's separate and apart from putting teams in london that's the big show so uh one of these days i think they'll have a minor league America or elsewhere, if they can profit from it. That's when they'll do it. We'll take a break. We'll wrap up this Tuesday edition of PFT Live right after this. Illegal contact, a point of emphasis again for the NFL. I remember it happened 20 years ago because Bill Polian wasn't happy with the extent to which Patriots defensive backs were manhandling Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne. Now, this year... 15 illegal contact flags week one of the preseason. Last year, there were 36 illegal contact penalties for all of the season. Now, look, 
we're going to see it in the preseason. The umpires and the referees and the they're back judges, right. they're all getting used to it. Right. But get used to the idea that we're going to see that flag fly more often, Chris. It, it, and they'd say, they say, oh, it'll settle down once the season goes on. I, I, it's it's gonna it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a factor, and it's gonna make it easier for offenses to move down the field if these defenders feel like they have to back off even more. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm hoping it balances out. With you know, again, we had a little bit of an officials meeting a few weeks ago where they taught you know they also said they were gonna stress and stop letting these offensive receivers push off and do that. So I do hope it balances out. And here's one other thing, just why they might be there might have been a lot of flags and 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 maybe you could pay attention to this this weekend and and maybe you did pay attention to it Mike but you know in these preseason games what you're seeing a lot of times is teams are playing more man to man than they normally would they they're just hey let's let's get our guys used to playing man to man you know that's not an easy thing to practice we've been going against our guys so let's get out there and do it and then the other thing teams are doing is they're blitzing crazy right cuz they're making teams go wait it's week 1 we got to prepare for every blitz in the world so that also adds i think to the illegal contact issue too i'm hoping it calms down but obviously it's a point of emphasis reminds me what the Seahawks did Back in the Legion of Boom days, they just did it every play. Pretty much, they, they called knew your that bluff. The officials aren't going to bog the game down. That's the challenge. Are you willing to be the guy that throws the flag and slows the game down over and over and over again? That's where the rubber meets the road on these issues. We are out of time. Thanks for some of your time. See you again tomorrow. See ya. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.